This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We have been looking at big texts as we begin the year. Our desire and our hope and our prayer is that this would encourage you to be in God's Word, to have God's words and his truths in your heads and in your hearts, that they would shape your approach. We were lo- began looking at Romans 8 yesterday, and um, we looked at the first 11 verses. In verse 5 and 6, it said, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And what we're trying to do in these shows is to help you set your mind on the things of the spirit that your minds would and the things of the spirit is the word of god um, the spirit's greatest tool that he uses in the hearts and lives of of his people is the word of god mm. and so how do you set your mind on the things of the spirit you engage the word so we looked at the first 11 verses yesterday today we're going to look at verses 12 through 17 and i believe jonathan is going to read that for us yes uh Romans eight twelve, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So the framework we've been looking at is we first approach the text and say, well, what is this text telling us about God? What is this text telling us, secondly, about ourselves? And then third, what's the so what? What's the application? So what do we have here? This is a little bit smaller text, and it's connected to what's before it with the the so or the therefore. So what do we learn here first and foremost about who God is? He's the the adoptive father and the sender of the spirit that has made us alive in Christ. And so all of our uh, devotion and allegiance to him is in response to his great goodness and mercy that begins. He's also the one that uh, sanctifies us. As it said, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we can't do this on our own strength, but it is by the work of the Holy Spirit that we are made more like Jesus. We're sanctified. This text says that we're sons of God, which then, as Vinny was saying, by necessity means that God is is also Father. Mm -hmm. There's a great line by J.I. Packer in, in Knowing God that I'm basically going to both slaughter and paraphrase loosely. (laughs) But basically, Packer says that I can tell you what you know about God, about how you understand the fatherhood of God. 
and that those that don't know God as Father really don't know God at all. Yeah. That's the loose paraphrase of what it Packer comes is from saying. his book, Knowing God. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, a great chapter in there about adoption. Uh, you know, this is one of the th- you know we think in terms of these big biblical truths of our justification before God, or as Ryan was pointing out, the sanctification as we become more and more like Christ that is accomplished through that work of the Spirit. There, there is the uh, the language of adoption that we've been be made part of the forever family of God, and this is the this is what Packer's getting at when he's talking about the fatherhood of God. We talked about other, a, other religions don't have that's right. that kind of relationship with 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 God. He's always mm-hmm. this terror rather than the God who is compassion, a compassionate father. And to that, Jesus uses this relationship of fathers and sons in his teaching about how we who are earthly fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more then does our heavenly father and we see in this, he's given us himself the greatest gift that he could ever give. I was just going to rewind and just say, if you missed some shows from a week ago or so, we, we talked about suggested books for the upcoming year. We didn't mention J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. But I would say that if, if you haven't read that book, that was one of on my short list of most transformational books for myself. It's a classic. We've, mm-hmm. we've ref- referenced that book over and over again in the five years that we've done this show, is Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Yeah, we didn't talk about it last week, but mm-hmm. that would that's always on my to-read list for If you people. only have a five-foot shelf, you should have that book. Yep, I, I agree. <laughs> what do we learn about us in this, in this passage? You know, I think that um, fear is always with us, and one of the things that moves us from fear is the assurance that we have in Christ. And this is, uh, you know, the fact that we are, you know, I think that there, there are several things that we can, we can see here. We, we should recognize that Scripture gives us an objective reason to have confidence in the fact that we're, that we're saved, you know, where we have the promises of God that have been given to us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. You know, we have that kind of thing. But, but then, uh, there, there's. You can look at evidences of being in Christ, and in, in this, you know, you're either living according to the flesh, or you're you're living by the Spirit. And those that are true believers are living by the Spirit. This is not. This is not to say that we don't sin, but there are some things that we're doing just because we love Christ. And there are other things that we will never do because we love Christ, or we'll, we'll try not to do because we love Christ. There was a, there's a controlling spirit in us there, and so we can begin to see signs of that regeneration. But ultimately, there's, there's three legs to this stool, stool not just the objective and in the things that we read and the things that we do, but also there's that subjective witness of the Holy Spirit to us where he says we cry out to God, Abba, Father. There's a, you know, we, we are able to come to him as Father. We have access to him as Father. We have a relational a, a relation with him, and so that's the that's the the third leg of this three legged stool, and it comes to uh, assurance. The yeah. spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Yeah, you can you can just review the titles that that Paul uses of Christians, right? So brothers, so we have a spiritual family. Debtors, not in the sense that that God's kind of an evil conniving bank and we owe this big mm-hmm. giant debt to, but that we were dead and have now been revived and given life. And so it's a, it's a debt of gratitude. We are adopted children 
sons and daughters of God, and then heirs of God. Just just these beautiful big titles that that form our identity in Christ is one of my favorite things about Romans eight. Mm-hmm. Romans eight is is foundationally about assurance. Yep. But in the process, Paul is just masterful in how he writes that you still get this picture that's twofold. There there's the reality of for those that are in Christ Jesus and those that are still in the flesh. And that contrast is always there. So if I'm in Christ Jesus, then I am a child of God, that I am an heir, that I am no longer a debtor to the law, I'm no longer a slave to the law, I no longer am driven by my sinful desires. But the opposite is true for those that are not in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. They are in debt to the law, they are a slave, their minds are set on their, their affections and their passions that control them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not heirs, they're not going to inherit anything of, of value, what they're going to inherit is condemnation and all of the the byproducts of that uh, that just condemnation. So as you're going through this chapter, you you really do learn what's true about the child of God and what's true for those that are not. And it's it's a pretty stark contrast. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just give us a little bit more time for the so what part of this um, because I think there's some things here that I, I want us to spend a little bit more time on on the so what part. So what do we what's the great takeaways for the listener? I think one of the things that's so encouraging is where these verses end and as Vinny you pointed out the various categories Paul uses uses the fact that we are heirs and we are heirs fellow heirs or joint heirs with Christ. And if you think about the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, being our elder brother, being the, the the beloved of God, the one in whom we are adopted, what does he inherit? What is his inheritance? And we are told that we are joint heirs with Christ. And uh, it's such a wonderful picture that God has given to us in hope of, especially in the midst of suffering in this life, which we talked a few days ago, with Psalm 90, there is this great living ensure hope that we have in christ that uh, god being our father we are joint heirs with him yeah first our peter writes in first peter one that to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by god's power being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time and so the the heir part what what is in our our inheritance our inheritance is kept safe that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I often say to my kids, I'm so sorry. When I <laughs> pass away, you're basically getting nothing but my books. I was going to say, a lot right. library. Yeah. And um, they I'll don't leave you seem, my name. That's it. Yeah. They don't seem as excited as, as I think they ought to be with that. But um, <laughs> here, we, as, as God's children, we have an inheritance that is beyond our wildest imagination. Right. And it's safe. It's secure. It 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 will, and it, it's not going to. We can't spend it away. Right. It's not going to fade. It's 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 just ours forever. Well, as a pastor, I say the retirement benefits are out of this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely true. I think the implication then is, is that we can we can live as stewards of the inheritance that we can mm-hmm. come with with hopeful expectation to receive. And so for me, then verse 13 becomes a, an implication. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death, the deeds of the body, you will then live. So what's the, so what John Owen's famous quote, like be killing sin, 
or sin will be killing you, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of a paraphrase of that. And so for me, one of the so what's is that at living in the spirit, I'm putting death, the old, I'm putting to death the old nature, the old practices, the old me. So uh, every January, I will tell this to the church when I stand up and preach near the new year. It's like, you will be the same you, you were this time last year. There's nothing magical about the turning of the calendar page. What is required is a working of the spirit and an intentional pursuit of discipleship in Christ, that intentional pursuit of sanctification. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's just also a richness here that we read in verse 15, that the spirit of adoption is son by whom we cry, Abba, Father. There's lots of goofy um, teaching on this about, well, this is what allows us to call God daddy. Um, just go back and, and redo your work in the in the Greek, and you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't come to that conclusion. That's not what it says. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to, by correcting that, undermined actually the the truth of of what's being said and that the fact is that we have an intimate relationship with god as our father Mm -hmm. and he desires a closeness with us as his children and we can come to him as our father you don't need to be irreverent to call him daddy to 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 understand the the wonder of what it means to be a child of God. And this is what we're taught in prayer. Jesus said we, we pray to him, our Father who art in heaven. Mm-hmm. It, hallowed be your name. And mm-hmm. that's the part that I, I think I want to correct just slightly. He's almighty God. Mm-hmm. So give him the reverence that he's due, but he's also your heavenly Father who loves and we you. Co- and we come to him on this relational term that has been purchased for us by the death of Christ. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. We'll see you then.